Well, it's a real blessing to be here today, share with you guys. Um, yeah, it's a real privilege. Um, like Tim said, my name is Christian, and I'm a member of this church. I've been here for just about a decade, and um, I usually sit back there around first service. Um, if you came at first service and you heard a crying child from there, it's probably my child. So um, just in case that ever happens, sorry about that. And so, um, but I'm also a missionary with University Christian Ministries, um, our campus ministry from Hillcrest here. And I serve at Val- Skagit Valley College just down the street in Mount Vernon, Washington. And, um, and you know, I don't know if you've ever like went to the community college or anything, but um, like I kind of have a reputation of kind of being a magnet for interesting people, which makes it really good at the community college campus. And maybe if you know me, you're like, amen, hallelujah. That's true for you, Christian. You, you gather weird people. Don't, don't tell my wife. She might think, what are you saying about me? You know, she's my wife, Ramona. She's great. Don't, she's not the weird one. But anyway, um, so yeah. So anyway, I'm really excited to speak with us today. So um, right now we're going through the book of Acts. And we've spent a lot of time looking at what the early church community was like so that we might follow their example. Um, I thought this could be a good interactive time. Do a little quiz for you all. So um, can anybody, can a couple people shout out, like, what are some things we've been looking at? What what were some of the characteristics of the early church community that we've, we've covered over the last few weeks? Sharing, yeah, that they were a fellowship. Um, they shared everything in common, you know. They were they're dedicated to the fellowship, yeah. Ministry of the word, yeah. That they were they were dedicated to the apostles' teaching. That they were really devoted um, students. Prayer. That they wanted to see um, the kingdom come in their midst, and they wanted the kingdom to come to them. So they would pray, God, come. Filled with the Spirit, yeah, that we, you know, Brady um, opened the series by saying um, the early Christian community, they weren't even allowed to go anywhere until the Spirit came and empowered them and directed them. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah, so, and last week, he, um, Tim shared about verse, in, from verse th- Acts 3.21, and in this verse, Peter is talking about Jesus and his ascension into heaven, and he said, Heaven must receive him, Jesus, until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Tim taught about how Jesus came and will come again with the goal of making all things new. We see in this verse that God wants to restore all things. Evil and sin has marred the creation, but God wants to make it right. And so today we're going to read a story in Acts where we see this breaking in of God's kingdom and Jesus beginning to make things right. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll dive into our text today. So, Lord, I just pray that you could um, be present, Lord Jesus. I pray that um, your words could speak um, powerfully um, to us, that your spirit would dwell in our midst, or that we would be a people that are dedicated um, to your teaching, um, or that we would be a people that would share everything in common, that we would... um, we would pray, Lord, that we would yearn for your presence among us, Lord, and that we would be filled and empowered and directed by your Spirit. And we just pray that you would fall on us today. In your name we pray. 
Amen. All right. So Acts 3, 1 through 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money, and Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So there's this man who was brought to the temple every day so that he could beg for money. This guy probably became a fixture, a fixture of the temple. I'm going to the temple today. Oh, there's, you know, I don't know what his name was, but there's, there's our lame man. We'll call him Ted. Hey, there's Ted, you know, he's sitting there waiting. You know, I think, I think about how people have become te- fixtures in our, in our community. You know, if you go on I-5 up to exit 256, right? You take a right turn. You want to go north on Meridian. What are you going to see? Right there at the first stop sign, you're going to see somebody holding a sign saying, I need some food. God bless, right? I mean, that's how it's going to go. You know, they become fixtures, just something something you're expected to see. And I think in a similar way, this person had become a fixture of the temple. And he's not there because of bad choices that he's made, but we read that he was born lame, that he has never walked a day in his life. And that the way that he made his living was through begging at this particular gate, which was referred to as the beautiful gate. Have you ever been asked for money by someone in a similar way? You know, someone holding a cardboard sign, um, a stranger come up to you asking for a few dollars. Um, About a week ago, I was going into the Panda Express with my kids, and I don't know, I've got three girls, and they're all under four, like four and under. And so getting kids, like, I don't know what it is. You get three kids, 10 feet, and it's like, this is heavy lifting. Like, team lift, please. Okay, so I'm like, oh, I'm doing this. I'm doing something crazy. And I'm going into the Panda Express, and a guy in a wheelchair, he comes on up. He says, hey, man, hey, man, could I get $2, $2 so I could eat something? And I'm like, oh. And oddly enough, crazy, this never happens, but I had some cash in my pocket. And so I was like, oh, I got some cash in my pocket, you know? And so I was like, oh, yeah, I guess, I guess, because I was kind of like awkward. I was kind of thinking, whatever, I'll give him some money. So I pull out some money. He asked for $2. I pull it out, and I had seven. I had a five and two ones. So I was a little like, oh, this is awkward. I got to push the five down. Like, I don't want him to have, like, I don't want him to know I had more, but he definitely just saw it, and I'm like freaking out a little bit. So I'm like, okay, well, here's... Here's two bucks, you know. I mean, these interactions, they are kind of awkward, you know. Um, I find that there's like this weird shame 
on the part of the person being asked. And there's usually some kind of weird eye war going on. Like, you go to exit 256, and there's somebody with a sign looking at you, like, like with the open doggy eyes. And I'm just like, I, I have a hard time looking. I just I want to direct my gaze somewhere else. Um, well, Peter and John, they were on their way to the temple. And this man asked them for money, just like everyone else. And this is where we start to see Christ's kingdom begin to break into the world. We see it happen in two ways. Luke writes, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting something from them. The first way that the kingdom begins to break in is an acknowledgement, in sight. You know, Peter and John, they looked at the man intently. He tells him, look at me, look at us. Hear this lame man, he ceases to be a fixture. John and Peter, they see him as a child of God. A man with a purpose. A man with a future. Someone deserving of attention. And you know, this is just so, this is so Jesus right here. We can tell that these men were his disciples. It says in the in the Gospel of Mark, that this rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, have you followed the commandments? And he says, yeah, I've done all these for my whole life. And it says, Jesus looked at the man and he loved him. There was this woman that came into a Pharisee's house and anointed Jesus' feet with oil. And she had a disrespectful past. And it says, Jesus really looked at her. He saw her. There was a blind man calling out as Jesus was walking to Jerusalem. And he said, Jesus, stop by. Jesus, come to me. Talk to me. And all these people are quiet, quiet, quiet. And Jesus says, bring that man to me. Jesus wanted to see him. Isn't it just so crazy how people can become fixtures to us? Especially hurting people. Maybe you know what it's like. Maybe you are seen as a fixture somewhere. God's kingdom is one that sees. He sees us. You know, each one of us, we deeply want to be seen for who we are. We don't want to be seen as a fixture. I think this is why, um, like, some of these YouTube sensations are so fun to watch, why they connect with us so much. Like the Susan Boyle, I dreamed a dream. I dreamed a dream. You know, that one. Um, because she's this, you know, quirky librarian, and she comes up, and she's pretty awkward, and everybody, you know what everybody's wanting to do? Laugh at her. And then she, like, reveals, whoa, there's, like, depth to this person. She's actually talented. Um, you know, and so it's like, man, it's a moment where she decided, I don't want to be a, a fixture. I want to be something more. And I think that really connects with us. Um, but here's the thing. You know, with, in, with that example, we just took her from being one fixture to another fixture, right? Oh, whoa, she's good at singing. But God, he doesn't even care if we can do anything. He sees us for who we are. He truly sees us. And the second way we see the kingdom break in is through healing. Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. 
he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Jesus wants the world to be made whole. Though this man was born unable to walk, that's not the way things were meant to be. That's not, that's not what Jesus had intended when he made this man's legs. Christ wants to bring healing into the world. That's why he, he died and he rose again, is to lead us in new life. To bring, to, to diminish the death and the curse and the sin that was in this world and, and bring real healing, true life. There's no part of the world, no part of you, no part of me that Jesus doesn't want to heal. There's no part of us that Jesus is unable to heal. In this story and in Jesus' ministry, we see that he is bringing healing everywhere he goes. Some people think Jesus is um, just interested in healing our souls or our relationships, but Jesus didn't just come for that. He wants to heal every part of us. He wants to heal our bodies, to liberate us from sicknesses. And like Tim shared last week, this hope isn't even just for human beings. Christ wants to bring healing to our planet. He wants to restore our ecosystem. He is so generous and abundant in his desire to heal, to bring healing to this world. And we can see this in the case of the lame man. This lame man, all he asked, Peter and John were, were a few bucks. I just want $2 so I can eat. He says, get up. He gave him way more than the man bargained for. His legs were strengthened and began leaping and praising God. I just love that image, a grown man leaping in a temple. You know, that's pretty crazy. And um, I think what's so beautiful about that image um, is that, okay, I have, like I said before, I have three daughters. Um, One of them is Anna. She's seven months old. Um, one's two, and her name is Eva, and one is four, and her name is Faye. And Faye and Eva, they're at this beautiful age right now. I mean, I'm sure if you guys have seen kids, you know what I'm talking about, where they like, they're like, Dad, look at this! I can jump! Ah! Like, they just like freak out. I'm like, kind of the lamest thing. Like, the thing that's like, oh, I just take that for granted. You know, and usually when we say something like, hey, you guys, look what I can do. Or something. We usually saying like, "Look how cool I am," right? But there's something really subtly different with the way kids do it. There's a sense of like praise. They're like, "I'm jumping. I am so blessed. I'm doing what you grown-ups do. Look at that. I'm like, I'm like, what of you? Like, there's this inherent thankfulness, and that is the kind of healing Jesus wants to bring into our lives." He wants to heal us, to, to bring praise, to know how blessed we are. That, that when we do things as simple as, as walking, as simple as greeting one another, as greeting, giving each other a hug, that it's infused with this praise. He wants to restore us to this right way that he meant to make us, which I think in a lot of ways is like the way of children. That there's this inherent joy and praise that comes with the things that we're able to do. I know that this, this kind of healing has been true in my life. Um, I grew up in a divorced home. Um, my parents got divorced when I was in seventh grade. And right when they got divorced, it was like immediate hate switch for both of my parents. I hate my mom, hate my dad, all these things. I would talk bad about them to all my friends. And um, 
I became a Christian a few years after their divorce. And I remember one night going to youth group. It was a Wednesday night, and I don't even know what the message was on. Sorry. Anyway, um, don't tell my pastor, (laughs) okay? Anyway, I don't know what the message was on. But then the worship time started afterwards, and all of a sudden I felt this weight. I couldn't get up. And I just heard God say to me, you need to ask your dad for forgiveness for the evil things that you have said said about him and the evil ways you've thought about him. And I had never experienced something like that happening to me before, so I went home and I I called up my dad and I said, you know, Dad, I was just calling you because um, I've just said really bad things about you and I've, I've been really angry at you and I just need to ask for your forgiveness. And what happened next, I didn't even expect. My dad said, you know what, Christian? I totally forgive you, but let me tell you, I didn't want our family to be this way. I'm so sorry. Could you forgive me for what's happened in your life? And it was like, oh my goodness. Like, I just felt like this joy, this healing happened between me and my dad. And this leaping that this man has, that's the kind of relationship I have with my dad now. And I didn't call him, you know, it was, it was God-initiated. And I didn't call him for that kind of, I just called him to repent. But, man, God is so amazing in his blessing and his desire to heal us. Jesus, Jesus wants to bless us with great amount of healing. He wants us to leap. But that is not all. Jesus also wants us to be his hands and feet. He's invited us, his people, to be extending his blessing and healing into the world. In the evangelistic message that followed Peter's healing of this man, Peter declares that he wasn't the one to heal him. In verse 316, right after, he says, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. Because of Jesus' presence with us in the Spirit and the healing that he's done in us, we are called to extend his blessing to the world. Like how Peter and John were extending Jesus' work. We're called to do that too. The same Spirit that lived in them is the Spirit that lives in us. We can extend his blessing into the world and those around us. And I think this takes two things of us that we can see here. It takes us acknowledging that there's a problem. It takes us seeing the fallenness around us to to keep our eyes open, to not objectify, not make fixtures of the fallenness of this world. Keep our eyes open and and acknowledge it. And then it takes us asking Jesus, depending on Jesus, to pray for healing for it. You say, Lord, will you restore this? Will you bring your kingdom in this? It's so simple. But it's not quite that simple, is it? You know, I think there are two things that keep us from doing this. Two things that keep us from from being this agent of healing. The first one is that though we know Jesus is the one who heals, we easily get distracted and we put our faith and dependence in things other than Christ. 
Thomas Aquinas, he was um, hanging out with Pope Innocent II. I'd like a name like that. You guys can all call me Mr. Innocent. Mr. Innocent II, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, anyway, I should not make fun of the Pope's name. Anyway, so he, he was hanging out with the Pope, and um, the Pope was counting the church's money. And the Pope says to Thomas, Tom, you see, Thomas, the church can no longer say, silver and gold, I have none. And Thomas Aquinas, he replies, true, Holy Father, and neither can she now say, arise and walk. Because the truth is, is you know, the church at that time, they were, they were putting their eggs more in this finance, finance basket. A lot of times we put like our, all of our eggs in some kind of basket, don't we? I can start like I can start supporting a missionary when I get to this to this salary. You know, tomorrow, tomorrow when I get a little bit more, I feel a little more stable. I'll be able to pull the trigger. You know what? I'll be able to join a church service team when my life isn't quite as chaotic, when my schedule isn't quite as crazy. We think, man, if I just get over the next hump, if I just get a little stronger, if I just get a little more money, if I just get a little more settled. We start putting, putting our faith in other things. Um, and it's really easy for us to forget this. It's really easy for us. The primary thing when we feel like we have something we need help with is to pray. Last night, I mean, this is really speaking to me. Um, last night, my two older kids both just started throwing up at 4, 4 p.m., you know, and they like kind of threw up a little bit. They had a hard night. And um, I was like, oh my goodness, uh, hydration, we need to hydrate them. Uh, we need to go to the hospital, call the doctor. Like, I was like, rah, 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 rah. it took me like five hours to be like, you know what? I'm preparing this message on healing. I should pray. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, oh my goodness, I should just pray right now. I prayed for our kids. And, um, and you know, it's like Jesus is the real source, the real power. We're so quick to try to go to something ready, something that we feel empowered by. And I think the second hindrance is often the view of ourselves. Peter says, silver or gold I have none, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Peter, he didn't have any money, but he was not poor. He was rich. And often, somehow, we get focused on our deficiencies and we don't live in the blessedness that Christ has granted us. If we know Christ, then we are blessed people. That's our new identity. We're not deficient. We're healed people. We know the source of life. We have been healed in the most powerful way imaginable and our identities have changed. We live in a time and a culture that bombards us with messages that you are constantly in need. The billboards say, buy me. They say, eat me. Watch me. You need me. But we know the truth. We know that if the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. I want to give you an example of what I'm talking about. Let's take this lame man here, for example. The man who, his legs grew, and he was leaping. 
okay, so let's go to tomorrow, the next day. Like, yeah, that was a pretty good day. I'm not, you know, I'm healed. Yay. Well, you know what that guy's got to do? He's got to get a job. Okay, because it's not going to fly for you to be like, hey, you know, I'm back at the temple because, believe me, I used to be crippled. I was crippled yesterday. Maybe you guys could just, like, support me. I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't, have a, I don't have any skills. I don't know any people that could help me get a job. You know, like, he's, he's got a whole new set of problems. He's going to have difficulties in the future. But the truth is, his identity has shifted from being somebody who's deficient to being somebody who's blessed. Jesus' healing doesn't necessarily mean it takes away our problems, but it changes our identity. Because we are found in Christ. We've been transformed and blessed. This is what Christ does in us. He takes us from being leaky jars, you know, jars with little cracks in it, where the water is just kind of falling out, to being ever-overflowing wellsprings of water. Water is pouring out over us. Abundant. Jesus has invited us to be instruments of his everlasting blessing. One of my favorite, one of the most impactful stories of healing that I'd seen um, it comes from my college days um, up at Western. Um, one Friday night, um, our campus ministry brought in a guy named Scott Sessions. He's actually the guy who um, named Campus Christian Fellowship. They wanted to name it something crazy, something communist, like Coalition Committee or something. But he, he, just, he had some wisdom, and he named it Campus Christian Fellowship. So, um, But Scott, he got up there and spoke, and Scott had ALS. And so he spoke in the front of 450 people in a wheelchair. And he told us a story about he was a pastor and he, um, he went to a man's hospital bed because this man was dying. Um, he was on his deathbed. And he was praying for this guy and all of a sudden God showed him this man's dying because of his unforgiveness towards somebody else. And he, I mean... Talk about some guts to, like, say that, right? I mean, but Scott was obedient. He, he heard that word. He's like, you know, I think you're here. I think you're dying because there's someone in your life you're not forgiving. And the man said, it's this person. It's this friend of mine. I need to talk to him. I think they brought a phone in. And he called the guy. He said, I'm so sorry, you know, and offered forgiveness. And the man was healed. The man got better. He walked off his dying bed. And what was crazy about it was Scott was sitting there in his wheelchair, having so many people having prayed for him in his life. He died of ALS a couple of years later. But even though he was an afflicted person, he was a blessed person. He was a source of blessing to us, to the people around him. And now, Scott is walking by the side of Jesus. I can't wait for Jesus to come and make all things new. Praise the Lord that he wants to break in now and give us glimpses and taste of the coming kingdom. 
Well, today, um, we're going to um, have a little time of response. Um, I want us to do some response together. And so um, there's some reflection questions right here. And I'm going to ask that two of us, two, two people from this community, um, share. Is there, a, is there a healing story that you can share with the community? Something you can encourage us with? Maybe God wants you to bring healing to somebody in this, in this group. Maybe, maybe he wants you to hear from somebody here so that you can be healed. Is there something that God is prompting you to share and encourage our community with in regards to receiving or forwarding Christ's healing? So Jake and the worship team are going to come up. And um, I'm going to pray for us that we could um, listen to the Lord and see if there's a way that he wants to speak to us um, to receive his healing today. So, um, Lord Jesus, I just pray that um, your spirit could fall, fall on us, Lord, that you could speak to us, Lord. Lord, um, I really, we, me and Jake, we felt really strongly, Lord Jesus, that you had um, some specific messages for us today, and we're looking forward to hearing what those are. And so, Lord, we just we pray that you could be in our midst.